there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. The debt ceiling discussions continue in Washington, D.C., but only here on the Robert Scott Bell Show can we tie it in to the health, not only of America, but the health of each individual, our biological imperative, our reality of what, what it takes to be well, to get well, to stay well. And help me to do that every week is Dr. Rashid Bittar. It's Advanced Medicine, Advanced Medicine Monday. And we're going to rewind some stuff here, including the whole basis for this so-called debt ceiling elevation, as if we can borrow until we become wealthy and wise and healthy. Dr. Batar, I don't think this has worked in thousands of years of recorded human history, it's, and it's not going to work now. You know, they say, Robert, that if you want to see how well a thought process, a, a philosophy, a model will work, all you have to do is look at the history of, of uh, life on the planet. And um, something for nothing, nature just, just simply doesn't tolerate for very long. And although we may think that you know, the concept of welfare, the concept of uh, printing money, some of these things may have been around for anywhere from, you know, 10 to 40 years. In the history of mankind, it's not even a blip on the radar screen of, you know, if you look at life on the planet by humans being, say, a year, we're not even talking, uh, you know, a second <laughs> yes. uh, in comparison. So, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to me this concept as you're talking about um, how it actually impacts all aspects of life far more than just the financial or economic components. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a mindset or a thought form, and it's really corrupted us in, in so many ways. It's kind of like a chicken and egg question. It's like, did the thought come first? Did the reality come first? But what we're dealing with, of course, are a bunch of, I call them yahoos, but people that claim that you could just, let's say, well, we need more money. Let's go to the printing press or let's go to the computer and enter a few more digits, and poof, you have more money. And expecting that that will actually sustain us, I've argued that this is like eating Twinkies every day. Yes, there are calories in Twinkies, but they're largely empty. And if you continue to subsist on them for a long period of time, you're going to be in big trouble from a health perspective, much like our economy is, because the money itself is devoid of integrity, if you will, that which has some sort of semblance of inability to counterfeit it. You know, it's, first of all, in the, I don't know, decade that I've known you, Robert, have I ever warned you? about not saying something for libel purposes or just, you know, to make sure you don't slander somebody. Have I ever told you that? Well, I, yeah, we, I mean, we've, we've certainly come across that because we cover such, such issues and such controversy. That but no, have I ever told you that, Robert, don't say this because you could be at risk? No, no, never personally. But, no. but I'm going to tell you right now, you, you said you call them Yahoo's. Yahoo may have a, uh, a problem with you saying that <laughs> about these, these real Yahoo's. Well, I won't, then I won't call them Google heads either. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because I totally agree with you. You know, this this concept, this philosophy that has been indoctrinated, perhaps would be the right word. And, and almost like, you know, we've talked about this before. When you do something so many times, you do something to a group of people or a, yeah. or a body so many times, they just start to think that that's how things are supposed to be. But it's exactly right. I mean, the economic collapse, the insecurity of our future generations, it's all the same type of process or thought process as, right. as you said – eating Twinkies every day and expecting that later on when you end up having the health problems, all you do is simply take a drug and it's going to fix it all. And, and you and I and, and the vast majority of the public already knows that simply isn't true. 
Yeah, the, the, the illusion that's being sold, whether it be from Obama or let's be truthful, too, about many of the Republicans that have bought into government-sanctioned medicine and the medical monopoly. Uh, with Remember, I think it was it was under Bush that they passed the Medicare Part D, the prescription drug benefit. It's like old people didn't have enough drugs. Now we need to make sure they have more. I think they were uh, heavily uh, lobbied by, <laughs> I would guess. The, Just a the bit. pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Well, the strength of character wasn't there to resist and understand. Of course, we know that most people up there in Congress do not understand how to take care of their own health. So why would we expect that they could take care of the body politic either? I mean, they, they, you know, we talk about genetically modified organisms being a, an abomination and very dangerous to our health and detrimental. We'll go into the synthetic pesticides and, and all of these things that are approved and tolerated by government agencies, including the EPA. And yet, you know, people would be willing to, to put their economic lives in the hands of these same non-Yahoo, so we don't upset Yahoo yeah. uh, in Congress. But, you know, it's actually interesting, too. If you have any connections on the inner sanctum uh, with these groups or these, these politicians, perhaps, or, or, you know, some of these so-called elite uh, leaders in the world, you find out that what they're talking about and what they're promoting and what they're endorsing and almost enforcing in their own countries, uh, in their own jurisdiction, if you will, is very different than what they practice on their own families or on themselves. For instance, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but from what I understand, the Queen of England uh, has been getting chelation for over 30 years. Yeah, and they're very active supporters, promoters, and, and they utilize homeopathic medicine as well. But you, you don't hear so much. I mean, we hear Prince Charles talking about a natural medicine from time to time and homeopathy. But what you've said about chelation, I don't remember seeing that in the news. Right, and the media won't cover it. And, of course, even if they did mention it, I'll give you an example of something that I saw um, a number of years ago. This is probably – this must have been in the 90s, uh, late 90s, Robert. I mean, it was probably in the first couple of years, probably 1995, 1996, when I first uh, had started doing chelation and learning about some of those principles. Yeah. Now, I remember Tom Hanks was on The Tonight Show, and he couldn't speak properly. And uh, I think Johnny Carson was still the host at that time. And I think, if I remember correctly, he starts, it was either Johnny Carson or Jay Leno, one of those guys. And it was this one in the background, but he couldn't speak properly. And the host made a joke about how he couldn't talk. And Tom Hanks says, I just had some dental work. That's why I can't speak. And starts. To, and the host said something about, oh, you know, what, what kind of dental work? And he said, well, I just had the mercury taken out of my mouth and starts talking about how bad mercury is. And right as he mentions mercury, that he had mercury taken out of his mouth, and he goes, you know, your mercury is really bad for you, and boom – Went right to commercial. It wasn't even like, you know, normally they say, okay, we got this guest coming here and this and that. And not, it just like was wow. an abrupt break to commercial. Just bam, right there. When they came back, there was no mention of his mouth, dental, uh, dental procedure, mercury, amalgam, nothing. Well, you know, you think about the, the ability of uh, the media to shape thought form, right? We, what we're exposed to, what we see. And this is, you know, since the 90s to, to the 2000s, now past 2010 and 11. We see the growth of the new media and the diversity of, of information and messages coming up, and we're seeing some major transformation, a lot, in fact, of transformation of thought form on the planet, people questioning things they never used to question, even though you know, you as what I would call a first adopter because of your imperative to help your son so, so, so many years ago now, 
uh, has brought you to a point where you could see things much clearer than most other people well before it. But yet now we see the sea change that happens over time. And then suddenly everybody sees, oh, of course, Mercury is horrible. Why would you do that? But they still haven't gotten to that point where we have total outrage, where every community in America, for instance, is demanding that they stop fluoridating the water. That, for me, will be a real clarion call or sign that the the sea has changed completely. But until then, we're still working incrementally to make that consciousness shift. It's an accurate statement, I believe, that until we see that type of change, we can't really make an assumption that everything is going to be okay. I, when, when I think, as you said, the clear and shift, when, when, I, when that type of thing happens, when as soon as a new thought process is introduced and everybody accepts it and, and there are governmental sanctions that are put in place to prevent those type of wrongdoings from happening, and until then, it will not, I will not feel secure that my future generations are going to be okay. Right now, I'm excited because it is an exciting time to be alive and we know that things are changing, but it's still not there, and there's so much being orchestrated. Um, although it does appear to be a death struggle that these yeah. things are being orchestrated to prevent some of these things from happening. That you know, it's almost like this heightened. I don't know whether you sense that too. This it's get coming to a peak almost, and they're becoming more desperate in their attempt to prevent some of these things and some of this information from getting Certainly. out. And you know, there's more extreme desperate measures being taken because it is like the last death struggle in the in the animal before it passes on yeah and that is something to be very alert to i mean that's the thing about the chain in in the midst of a transformation much like in the midst of let's say someone coming to you as a patient in the midst of a very severe crisis we've talked a lot about these things where sometimes you know it's a life and death scenario it's touch and go you're not even sure are they going to make it do they have the will the strength the belief the passion the desire to survive it because in these times of peril it becomes you know often quite frightening and maybe even draining uh, because of the emotions the fear that's involved in the transformation or the transition that we're in and at what point do you say okay we're going to tough it out we're going to get through this and succumb to what we would say the positive belief system versus the negativity and fear that is in, how do we say it it's 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 veiled on over us and the media was a big part of that but they're losing that ability Absolutely, and I think that that's the important thing to remember: is that never let the fear give, uh, take control, never give in to the fear. And m- one of my favorite adages is where attention goes, energy flows. And so you always focus in on that positive aspect. You know, it's interesting to be talking about uh, the the media again. One of the things that just came to mind is the one thing that we haven't talked about, Robert, in the last couple of weeks, which is all over the international media, is yeah. Murdoch and his. Uh, issues with you know all the misinformation that's been perpetuated and the phone uh, scandal with hacking phone lines and and yes. you know all, you know so it, it is a it's it's interesting that we've talked about the lack of journalistic integrity and here it is now on a global scale we see evidence of it and it's actually being covered now by the popular media and I think maybe the reason it's been covered by the popular media is because they're nothing more than sharks you know it's like yes. a, one shark gets wounded so there's a shark <laughs> frenzy and they all turn on that one shark that's wounded. <laughs> Well, and it is accurate as can be to say it that way. I've often said that if they could, because they don't like each other. You know, we talk about, oh, it's an all-powerful media complex. They're in collusion. But if one of them, as you say, is like it gets injured, all bets are off. They will eat their young uh, to maintain, I want to be the top dog now. But they all engage in the same behavior. And having seen this or seeing this on that global scale, again, another level of the awakening, another level of consciousness is able to seep through for people to see through the veils of illusion that were previously pretty thick. Yeah, and and 
with the grace of the Creator Almighty, you know, that uh, thick illusion is almost daily, I would say, getting thinner and thinner, and more and more people are seeing through that veil and uh, realizing the truth, and that's, that's all we can ask for. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing that we cover here on the healing. Well, we talk about Advanced Medicine Monday and promotion of the healing that we try to do here. We're bringing the power to heal back to the people. And and that's what's so fascinating about our discussions, that we can get behind the scenes here. We can certainly talk about medicine or medical politics and all of these things. But the reality is these things are shifting and changing in all areas of life. Not every, you know, there are small clubs in life, too, that, well, there's not that many that are in this realm or not many, but you see that. All of these massive changes that are affecting everybody also are impacting the smaller groups or smaller systems. Well, I think you're right on with that uh, statement. And to maybe support that, I'll give you an example of how these little, you know, these little components that you're talking about that these support systems are are growing. Um, there's a listener to the show. I don't know what the name, what her name is, but apparently she's the mother of a lady by the name of Deborah Thompson who puts on. A energy healing conference call webinar series, and she's been doing it for five years. Okay. And uh, apparently, they've been trying to get me to participate as a speaker on this event for a couple of years. I didn't know that. But she said that I was talking with her yesterday and with her producer yesterday, and we're going to be, this is going to be doing, it's a, it's a 12 week event, but, um, I think they do two events per week. They have 24 speakers, and I'm actually the one who's kicking it off at the end of August. But nice. yesterday when we were talking, she said to me, it was interesting, she said, you know, Dr. Tar, that my mom had heard you speak um, a, a couple times, and then she, something about the radio show, where she started actually, somehow she became subscribed to the radio show. I think it's through Natural News. It must have been through Natural News. Right. And how she was the one who said, through the through the Natural News, through the radio they got the link to go through our ticket system to get to my office to get through to me. But <laughs> apparently, she said they've been trying for a couple of years, like two years or something, to right. get me to speak there. And these little communities that you're talking about, this is an example of how these seeds that are being planted in other areas, in areas that you wouldn't even think would would create um, a following, you know, for instance. I mean, they've got like a 50,000, 60,000 database group of people that they uh, have – that attend these webinars and conference calls throughout the year. And that's another avenue for now people to know about the radio show and, and know about what we're talking about. So yes. you know, maybe this is a too long of an example, but the point no. is you're absolutely right. These little seedlings, these little communities are growing and they're overlapping. And it's, yes. there's a concurrent growth, which is exponential. And I think that's what's causing this extreme behavior in the opposition, this death struggle, if you will, you know, just like you see uh, the last death throws that an animal is in before it dies. I think that's when that's when you um, know that the end is coming. And, and, and the beginning, the best thing about the end coming is that there's a new beginning right after that. Well, exactly. So you never know whose mom or whose grandma, whose daughter or aunt or uncle or anything is listening. And then it kind of taps in, as you said, to another community. So it's a great example of the growth of this uh, this message, as you will, and, and how it impacts on other groups that are, have a similar message. And so, yeah, the overlap is great. It's very exciting. We're here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, my special guest, as he is every week on Advanced Medicine, Advanced Medicine Monday. It is Dr. Rashid Batar. We're going to take a quick break here. Coming right back, we've got an interesting story in the news through medical news related to the gut ecology, and now it affects even more, they're saying. It's incredible how much we rely upon the lower life forms for our life as well, how the interconnectedness of all life is so essential to everything. We're going to cover that and more after this on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Bittar. 
Continuing on our discussion with Dr. Rashid Bittar here on Advanced Medicine on Monday, we are welcoming you to August here, uh, I guess in the Northern and Southern Hemisphere, although the seasons are different. We're still following the same calendar pretty much. And here is we're talking about a lot of transformational things, Dr. Bittar. We also go back to the medical news to go back to the, you know, the as above, so below principle. We can go down into the microbial world and find out that the same laws and principles apply to the microbes that apply to the microbes in Congress, <laughs> even though they'll try to pretend it doesn't. Now, this story is fascinating because it relates to our guts, and it could be harboring the culprits, there's the fear game, and cures, there's the opposite, the Hegelian dialectic. We want to keep you confused for, guess what? Obesity. The microbes. Look at that. The gut flora. The intelligence in the gut. And, of course, people that have been treating uh, with the natural from a natural perspective have always known that the key to any sustained improvement when a person is in any type of uh, negative health situation is always and has always and will always be starting at the gut. Yeah, exactly. We can't leap forward into even the brain and the nervous system as much as we would see a lot of aberrations there or, or what they might be called biochemical imbalances. I mean, they've identified recently that a lot of the, the brain chemistry is, is also dependent significantly on the healthy gut ecology, its interaction with the, you know, with the flora in the gut and how that then impacts on the production of certain things that are affecting brain neurological health, even this issue of appetite, uh, digestion, all of these things. Absolutely. Uh, uh, secretin is a great example. When secretin became, uh, started becoming popular for the use in children with autism, um, I think I was the third doctor or maybe the, maybe the second doctor in the country that started using secretin intravenously. Uh, this was back in 1995, 1996. Mm. Uh, we don't use it anymore because it, you know, it was it did help with some some kids, but it wasn't. It didn't have the huge effects as uh, like the removal of mercury does. But secretin. This is before I knew a lot about autism. Sure. Um, secretin is a neurotransmitter that's made in the gut, but it's a uh, it's it has a significant neurological impact, and almost all the neurotransmitters do. In fact. Uh, in I've even heard the term, and you probably heard this too. And I don't know whether it's a cultural term, but they say that the second brain, yes, is in the gut. Right, right. And, and you know, all of these these things in the vernacular of pretty much all languages have this idea of that uh, gut sense. You, you know, you feel it in your gut, right? And this is something that you know, even if we didn't have the technology and the science to understand it, even though now we are beginning to understand it, the fact of the matter is there was a lot of intelligence associated with that part of our physicality. You know, it's interesting you even talked about that just now when you said that I never thought about it from that perspective. I feel it in my gut. That's that's really almost a universal yes uh, statement no matter in what society you're in so that's that's interesting that you brought that up but yeah i, I agree with you 100 percent. well it transcends I, I as you say so we talk cultural differences language differences but you know when we talk about humanity right some people say well it's humankind can we just get over all these divisions it's humans and then we see all these similarities and 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 going back into history and it, that fascinates me as well because then we find these universal truths and if we look, and you know what's, what's really bizarre, when I, with my mentor in homeopathy, when I began to look at the body so differently than when I was taught in traditional uh, education, medical and otherwise, that the, the entire alimentary canal is technically outside of your body. It's, it's, well, it's not even, doubt. yeah, it's, the, it's just it's a bizarre. the only continuity to the external world. If you think about it, we're a cylinder yep. you know, or like a tube. Think of it as a, as a hose. We, we are... Our skin and everything, that's the outside of the hose, but from our mouth to the anus and everything in between the gastrointestinal system is that lumen within that uh, hose, and it's the, it's the only continuous 
contact that we have with the outside world. So the alimentary tract, the gastrointestinal lining is the same thing as our skin yes. is on the outside. The mucosal lining is the inside skin. Yeah, and that goes to a, a lot of the other things we've talked about from toxins to metals and other things. The damage to that protective layer, how that interface is corrupted, and then from there, all bets are off and all disease becomes likely possible and probably inevitable. And so the focal point on healing that area is where it has to, has to start. Otherwise, we're putting the so-called cart before the horse. And, you know, Robert, it's even though people know this and, and we understood this, understand this, it is there's something that transforms in an individual because it just happened with me again every time I talk about this. Yes. If you think about the continuity of the gut with the outside world, we start to realize how important it is. I mean, what you just said is very true about all the toxins and all the, all the buildup and all the things that, you know, are, that affect our health negatively. But even from a more fundamental level, the nutrition that we take in, we talk about how important diet and nutrition is. Yes. But now just think about it. It's that continuity. It's that connect. It's that hose. Mm-hmm. Again, for lack of a better analogy, this is the hose. So the quality of the water that we put through that hose or the quality of the substance that we put through that hose yes. will determine not only the length of time that that hose will last, but it also dictate how well that hose will function while it still is intact, meaning the pliability of the hose. You know, you put a hose out in the sun, it beats on it, makes it dry, the water goes through, it cracks, it doesn't function. This is the same type of thing that's happened to our body on a much greater scale, obviously, because the quality of the food that we pass through that lumen will determine how well that lumen is functioning. It'll, um, you know, you understand what I mean? I I do. I I do. You know, the thing is, sometimes I'll get criticized, Dr. Batar, because I'm obviously a big advocate of eating better, of eating organically, for instance, to reduce the, the toxin exposure because of what I know is the damage to my own body and my own young life that I had to overcome. And some people say, well, you're an organic food elitist. I'm thinking, you know, if, if I look at it spiritually, which I tend to do, you know, I, I believe that the temple, the body is sacred and that we shouldn't pollute it. We should do our level. But obviously, we don't have control over every aspect of our environment because there's so much that's gone on out in the world. But every little bit that we have control of, we are obligated, I believe, to take control of, to reduce our exposure. I can't clean up all of the air. I know that. But certainly I can make better choices of food for myself and my family. And even if it's one thing, it's better than no things. If it's two, then it becomes four. And so moving forward in that way, we begin to get out of a state of poverty or poverty consciousness where we look at ourselves and say, I'm not worthy, which is that that whole psychology behind the words, I can't afford it. Now, I recognize people are struggling economically. That, that is a reality. We know that. But at a certain point, there's got to be some point, breaking point in there where you say, okay, I'm just going to humor the world. And say, I'm going to buy one thing organically. Because when I started eating this way, it was a few years out of college. It wasn't like I had a lot of money anyway. But every month I found I had the, the, the same amount left over when I started eating better. So there was some universal principle at work here. Well, you know, Robert, it's interesting that the concept of I can't afford it. What is the price if you don't do that thing right now? What type of cost is it going to uh, be to you? What type of expense are you going to incur by not doing it now, because then you know what? Later on, when you got to deal with that cancer, or whatever, it's going to yeah. be a lot more expensive oh, than yes. a couple of dollars every you know day or every other day that you would have spent in eating better. Mm. And I, I also don't think that that's a, uh, all of it. I think a lot mm-hmm. of it has to do with habits that people get into, sure. and, and and you know you tend to become 
almost again we've talked about this so many times we talked about it in the beginning of the show today you know you become complacent and you start kind of doing everything because it's almost normal it becomes normal to think about it but then when you you know we discuss like this now the hose and the lumen and how important it is the quality of the material going through it makes you realize even me that i mean i preach this stuff like you preach this stuff sometimes you know, you don't even think that you're doing something wrong. You realize, wait a second, what am I doing? This isn't good for my body. And, and right. so you're, you realize it's almost like a slap in the face when you realize what you're doing is a slow, steady deterioration and going off the path that then eventually, before you know it, leads you into a place that you don't want to be. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm in a state like that right now, actually, personally. And, and I know this is, you know, maybe some people in my situation would not admit this, but I think it's important for everybody to realize this. I, I am somebody who religiously works out, religiously works out. Yeah. I have always had to do that because if I didn't, I wasn't doing it for you want to be on the cover? Yes, yeah, I know, Doctor Batar. You want to be on the cover of GQ magazine? I know. No, actually, the, you, I tell you the <laughs> truth. The real truth is that the reason I used to do it because when I was working emergency medicine, I was and I started my clinic back in the nineties. Uh-huh. You know, I was working uh, over a hundred hours a week, and if I didn't work out. I didn't have the energy. I was exhausted. Sure. And even more important than that, my brain works better. I feel clearer. I, my thought processes are more exactly. linear, sequential. That, that Everything works better when I'm working out. When I don't, things just don't work out as well. Yep. About six years ago, I stopped lifting weights seven years ago and, and went more into uh, body work and you know martial arts and that type of stuff. And I just told my wife this morning, I said, I, I just don't feel right. And the reason is, is because I've been sporadic in my workout. Like in the last week, mm-hmm. I think I've only worked out three times or maybe, maybe only two times, sure. which isn't how I normally work out. I mean, I don't religiously do it. But, you know, it's it's just missing one workout here and work one workout here for a month or so. And then you start going to missing two workouts or three yeah. workouts. And before you know it, you've come off that path. And this is really important for the listeners to realize this. Um, once difficult, now easy. Mm-hmm. Basically meaning that it may be difficult for you to start it, but if you do it every day on a consistent basis, it becomes very easy. And almost, it, it's a habit. Take, do it for 21 days. You're not even going to know that you're you're not supposed, or you could not do it. You you, yeah, you yes. expect to do it just like brushing your teeth or you know pulling up your pants after you go to the bathroom. It's just, it's just, it's just what you it's do. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's almost unconscious at that point. And you're so right. And I look back in my own history when I made this leap. It was awkward. It was difficult to make choices that were different. And you know, now I've come to the same conclusion that you have. It's like I can't afford not to eat this way because of how miserable I would feel. And in a sense, my body is communicating to me right away. Now, people talk about compromising. This comes back to kind of the debt ceiling stuff. Why can't you just compromise? It's like. Well, if you compromise on your principles, you're what, compromising yourself, right? What have you? That's not a compromise. That's that's basically a self a sabotage situation. Exactly, it's 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 lying to yourself, and then you're going to end up paying the consequences for that lie. Mm-hmm. I yeah. totally agree with you. And Robert, this is one of the things too that you know you and I have a little bit of difference in opinion in in what is considered a good diet. And I think um, if I know correctly, you, you're a vegetarian, right? Hundred percent vegetarian. No, 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 no. I have been at times because I had to go through some major detox to pull things out, and it it assisted me greatly in that transition. And then, as I've mentioned before, there are times where I couldn't maintain my weight on the vegetarian diet. I have a type O blood type, and I find that I needed some animal protein, and then I was able to rebalance my system. Of course, I was using organic grass-fed grazing-type meats, and then I was able to rebalance and do fine. So for me, I always listen to my body, and so I'm not a, a diehard dogmatist when it comes to everybody should be this or that. I think when it comes to diehard dogmatist, if you want to call me that, it's the cleanliness of the food. That's my bottom line. Well, and, and then you and I are even 
even online with that because I'm the same way. I actually do eat meat. I believe in the same thing that it's the quality of the meat. It's not the problem with the meat. I mean, if we weren't supposed to consume animal proteins, we wouldn't have been given the incisors that the creator gave us. But, um, you know, it's the quality of the meat and it's what right. we do to the meat that creates the problem. And at the same time, I have actually taken five – the longest I went was five years without eating any meat. And that's when I was um, competitively lifting yeah. uh, just because I, it, it was hard for me to cut down on the body fat when I was eating the animal proteins. Sure, of course, yeah. I also cut out Kit Kats and that was a very <laughs> difficult thing to do. And now, you know, and I look at the Kit Kat, I just have a reminiscent of, you know, the, the, those days when I used to eat the Kit Kats, how much I loved them. But I don't even have a craving for it anymore. And I think right. the reason is is because once your body has gotten rid of certain things, you don't have that craving anymore. But coming back to the animal protein aspect – the point I wanted to mention was when we talk about the quality of the food, some people are, you know, we know are extremists that say they're totally 100% vegetarian. They won't have any animal proteins. They won't consume cheese. They won't have eggs or anything like that. Right. You know, balance is the key. This is just my opinion. I, I apologize if I'm offending anybody, but not really. I don't really apologize. But, you know. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is that the key is whether or not you're 100% vegetarian or you're a pseudo-vegetarian or you're a big animal protein consumer, it doesn't matter. The key is you got to do it in balance and you got to do it clean. It's, yes. you can, I think you can have all the meat you want. I mean, depending on your body type and your genetic predisposition and your paleoclimatic ancestry, yeah. as long as it's clean. And that's the hardest component is finding it clean. And it's the most important of all of them. Listen, we got to take a break here talking with Dr. Rashid Batara. Always a fascinating tour around the world and the inside worlds as well on Advanced Medicine Monday. We're going to come right back, talk more about the gut ecology as well, how it relates to this and more. We'll be right back after this. Dr. Batari, you know, when we talk about the uh, the dietary uh, guidelines or what's right for you or me or somebody else, you know, I, I think our bottom line we would also agree is like if somebody's doing really well on a strictly vegan diet, we don't argue with them. I mean, we're happy if you're doing great. But I always say this, if something's going wrong, just take an honest assessment and a look, not such so much from a dogmatic perspective, but say, all right, do I need to tweak this? Do I need to try this? That's been for me necessary because my survival was at stake and you become very scientific in a pragmatic way not in a dogmatic way to find out what indeed works whether it be for our own bodies our own children or for people that come to us for guidance to get well well i actually use that philosophy for uh, for everything in the clinic i have patients that uh, i'll give you an example i had a patient from new zealand okay um she brought in this bag of supplements she was taking, and, and this has been the same thing I've said for probably 15 years, Robert. So she has the Aussie supplements. Many of them, I'm not familiar with the brands, but you know, it's a, you know, you look at the ingredients, you look at the labels, and so she says, "Well, I'm taking this. You know, should I continue taking it?" Well, my response was, "Do you feel a difference when you take it?" She says, "Yes, I do." I said, "Okay, keep on taking it." Right. The next supplement, she said, "Should I keep on taking this?" I said, "Well, how, how do you feel when you take it?" She goes, "Uh." Not, I don't really feel any different with this one. I said, how long have you been taking it? No, three years. I said, no, 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 don't take it. Well, it, we went through this about like seven different bottles, you know, and I'm yeah. writing on the chart and I'm just answering her questions, you know, barely even looking at the supplement. And she's, she's finally realized the pattern that I had. <laughs> she said, wait, wait a second, you're, you're just basing this on, on whether yes. I feel better when I'm taking it. And I said, absolutely, because I, you know, as much as I wish that I had the power of taking my hand and scanning it over a bottle and saying, yes, this is good or this isn't good. Right. You know, a lot of times we don't know the quality of the stuff. In fact, probably in the vitamin nutritional industry, when it comes to bastardization of the of the uh, quality control aspects, yeah. you know, there's so many companies out there that make 
products that are inferior and then propose them, you know, they, they promote them as if they're the, the best. The best yeah, since, yes. Sure. So, so there's no way of knowing the quality unless you send it off to an independent laboratory and do a test analysis. And even then, the batch between each, you know, each batch of uh, raw product that you made for the different bottles can also vary. So, you know, that's that is one of the things that I rely on. How does a person feel when they're taking mm-hmm. something? And and this comes back to exactly what you said. Well, and it's so beautiful. That's the brilliance in that it isn't so much our smarts. Perhaps if we're smart, it's because we listen to the body. We listen to what it's it's telling. We're teaching just like you did in that case. The the woman woke up and says. Oh my gosh! You're telling me to listen to my body? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And that's the, you know that's the whole point of this uh, you know the the learning of this process and and it comes back also to the gut ecology issue because the gut communicates with us all the time but by and large when we are programmed into an allopathic thought form we tend to look at the communication tool as just an, a mere annoyance it doesn't really mean anything so we as you've said so many times uh, you know we take out we disconnect the warning light. Uh, or worse, we now you know spray it with toxic chemicals on top of disconnecting it. So in that case, it's the opposite. What we're trying to do is encourage communication with the cells of the body, much less with the microflora of you know the gut, which is now known to be producing a lot of different uh, biochemical agents that make it possible for our bodies to function, to know when to stop eating, whether it becomes the issue of obesity or for the protection of the immune system, which is that external part of our body, whether it be the skin, the mucous membranes, or the entire hose, as we t- talked about, the alimentary canal. And also right. recognizing, too, if the Canadian call, Canadians call you a hoser, you go, yeah, no problem. <laughs> well, it comes back to those three foundations of health that you and I have talked about, that you know, it's the core of the... Uh, of the nine steps to keep the doctor in the book when I wrote that, and that's the, the three foundations, similar to the three foundations or three levels of uh, in a high rise, you know, you may if you have ten floors up, you may have three floors down. Those three floors down below the ground level, the basement level, if you will, those are the ones that perhaps they park the cars at or use for storage, but they still need to have. Uh, you need to go in deep down in order to have that support of that high structure up and um, that goes up. So just like yes. when you're putting in a fence, for instance, you know if you have an eight foot a post that you're putting in that you need above the ground, you need to put at least three to four feet into the ground in order to support that the weight and the and the structure of that post that you're putting in. Right. So similar to that, if we're talking about health and what we can see, the part above the ground, the part the post above the ground or the high rise itself, you have to have some foundations that allow that post to stay up or that building to stay up that support it to give it that infrastructure that's necessary for it to maintain its integrity mm. and those three foundations in in optimum health the the lower the deeper levels are obviously the more crucial because that's where all the weight is being supported and so as you come up higher not that they're less important but they're they're not they're, found, not they're not as, as foundational. They're not as foundational. Uh, right exactly they're not bearing as much weight exactly and those three foundations the first one the deepest one is Systemic detoxification, which we've talked about before, cleaning up. Right. The, the the second one is immune modulation, as you just mentioned, and then the third one, which is the highest one of the foundations, is physiological optimization. Well, and it relates to all the th- the choices we're making on on food. Right. Initially, by making poor food choices, you might be able to get a, a quote unquote get away with it. We understand that's kind of an in- inadequate way to describe it, but the illusion is there because we have resilience. We tolerate it. Our body deals with it. It tries to detox it. It, it tucks it away, and you can pretend everything's fine. Maybe you can take a medicine to suppress a little bit of the symptoms that are coming up to try and warn you early on with a whisper until it becomes that proverbial two by four, and then it maybe it becomes a big uh, crane with the things that wreck a whole building and of course that could be cancer at that point because you've ignored all the, the, the subtle signs prior to that and you didn't do those steps as we talked about making that one step that two step that three step 
And I think perhaps one of the greatest things we could do here, and, and through your experience, you even mentioned the 21-day thing. If you go through 21 days, suddenly it becomes part of your life. What simple steps can people take that are trying to make these radical, what we call or they might call radical changes, but make it simple for them? And some of these steps that are so simple, it's the simplicity of the steps is actually increased by doing it consistently and remembering once difficult, now easy. Mm-hmm. So even the simple steps can sometimes be monumentous tasks to accomplish. Just remember that those simple steps, someone had to start somewhere. It's, you know, the, the longest journey starts with what? The first step. Yes. And so even, even that you and I, to us, are simple steps, Robert, which I know you know this already intuitively, for somebody, it's very, very difficult. And it, it brings to mind a story that happened when I gave a lecture many years ago in front of a small group of people, and I was talking about the importance of exercise, and this woman stands up. Actually, I talk about it in the nine steps in the, in the DVD. This woman stands up, and, I mean, you know, it was dark in the, in the audience because we had a projector on, and I had yes. this uh, PowerPoint slide presentation going on. And all of a sudden, this woman stands up somewhere, and I don't even know where she's standing up, but I hear just she just land blasts me in talking about how arrogant I am and talking about exercise and not taking into consideration how some people you know, po- just cannot possibly do the type of exercises we're talking about because they've had you know, three back surgeries and they've got a rod in their back and they've got this, that, and the other and all these constraints. And right. you know, in, in my mind, I want, you know, we turned on the light, saw where the lady was coming from, and I'll tell you how the story finished, but it, it was not just the concept of just doing small steps. It doesn't matter how insignificant it may be to you or me. It's how yeah. significant it is for the individual. So if yeah. you're bedridden and you can't get up, and we're talking about running you know, hills for 15 minutes or you know, lifting for 45 minutes or whatever, you know, if you can't do any of that and you can't even get up to go to the bathroom, even if you can just lift up your leg or you can even flex your toes, that's something. Yes, and so to this, this woman who wanted to you know, have a pity party basically before because she had these back surgeries and she couldn't get up and, and she thought it was very insensitive of me talking about how important exercise was and not taking into consideration the uh, limitations that other people had. It just so happened that there was a guy in the audience who I had been talking to coming to the lectures who worked out at the gym with me who actually had a motorcycle accident and broke his neck. Wow. at C5, C6, and was a quadriplegic and was told he'd never be able to walk. And he told his doctors, I don't know that I can say this, but anyway, he told his doctors they were full of... You know what. <laughs> you know what. Yes. And um, he did walk. And now, the way I met him, I walked, met him at the gym, and of course, he you know, had to swing one leg in front of him and then drag the other one behind him. But I met him at the gym, and I, I actually... I said, Dan, you're in the audience. Can you come up here? And, you know, he looks down. He knew right away what I was going to do, and he just shakes his head no. And I said, Dan, come on up here. (laughs) And, you know, he just was like, "Uh, come on, you know. And I said, Dan, can you please come up here? And I said, come on, everybody. And I just gave him a hand. So, Dan, you know, everybody's clapping for him. So now he can't get up, you know. So, I mean, he can't can't sit there. So he gets up, and he's got his cane. And this is a 27-year-old guy, okay. And it takes him, you know, a good – 30 seconds to walk up to the front, um, you know, swinging one leg, dragging the other leg behind. And everybody's looking at this guy like, what is wrong with this guy? And why is he walking like this? And right. So I asked him, you know, I said, uh, so Dan, how do I know you? And um, he's looking at the ground. He's, you know, bashful. And he goes, you know, from the gym. And I said, and, and, and how, do I, how did I meet you at the gym? You know, what, 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 how did we meet? And he said, because I asked you to help me with the, um, with the dumbbells. And I said, and, you know, what kind of uh, girly man are you that you needed help with these uh, 25-pound dumbbells? I mean, I don't understand. Can you explain this to everybody? And he's looking at me, you know, like this look. And he goes, because I needed you to help me strap them to my uh, hands. 
I said, and you know, so can you explain to everybody why you need to, you know, strap the weights to your hands? I mean, what what what's the uh, you know, what's the purpose of that? And, you know, and I'm teasing him, giving, right. giving him crap. And yeah. It's like because I have a problem with my grip. And I said, well, why do you have a problem with your grip? You know, did you not, not learn how to gra- grab? You know, I mean, is there a reason <laughs> that you're walking like this because your parents didn't encourage you to walk? I mean, what is it? Because you're a little slow. Can you explain to us what's wow, going on? Wow, you are just, going for it here. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, you know, he's a good friend of mine at yes. this point. I've known him for a couple of years. You know, we give each other crap in the gym all the time. And he's mm-hmm. like, just kind of, you know, he's kind of just looking uh, People around must be and, horrified by what you're doing here. Yeah, and he says, "Well, because uh, he goes, uh, I, I broke my neck." I said, "You broke your neck?" I said, "Wait, wait a second. When you break your neck, you can't, you can't move, can you?" And he says, "Well, that's what the doctors uh, said." And I said, "What do you tell the doctors?" He goes, "The same thing I tell you every day." And hmm. of course, I knew where he was going with that. And yeah. I was like, "What do you tell me every day?" He goes, "That you're full of crap." <laughs> <laughs> So you know, at this point, then I turned yes. around to that lady and I said to her, "I said, now here's a person who broke his neck in a motorcycle accident, was told he'd never walk again." He refused to accept that. That was not in his reality. If failure was not an option, every day he goes to the gym. He he drives himself to the gym. He can't even use his leg. He's got a hand-controlled vehicle. Mm-hmm. He will not help let anybody help him take his wheelchair in and out of the car. He swings himself from the wheelchair into his car. Then he folds up the wheelchair and he pulls it across himself, puts it in there, and he drives himself home using hand pedals. And he works. I said, now, now you tell me. You're sitting here. You know, you can walk on your own. Yeah, you got a rod in your back. Yeah, you've had a couple of surgeries, but. Is this is this guy making any excuses? Yeah, exactly. Oh my so god! Any excuse will do. You don't have to make any excuse for me. I tell my kids this all the time. You don't have to make any kind of exotic excuse for me. Hey, I, you know, you, I don't care whether the dog ate your homework. You know, it's great. You don't even have to come up with an elaborate thing. You can just say, "Hey, I chose not to do it." That's fine. Yep. The point is, it's your choice. Thank you. That that's where that, that's the brilliance of this, and that's the also the annoyance because when people come to that conclusion, it, it, it gets very uh, well. The self reflection can be uncomfortable. Because you realize that, oh my gosh, it wasn't all of these other things that I said that were the reason why I didn't make the better choice for the better food or, as you talked about, the exercise, that ultimately we are making that choice. Now, I'd rather be in that place to say, well, I just chose not to. You know, maybe you feel bad about it, but you're not going to make up something. It's like, no, no, I recognize I had the power to do it or not to do it. That's a good place to be, not a bad place, because otherwise we're victimized by everything and anything in life, including the disease and disease process, which is just a normal part of life when we don't do the so-called right thing. I'm not even saying it from a moral perspective. I'm just like an exacting uh, physiological law kind of uh, perspective. Exactly. You just simply refuse to be a victim. I remember when I went through this last you know, fight with the medical board, so many doctors at conferences you know, come up to me and say, oh, I heard what's going on. I'm so sorry. I'm so this. I'm so that. And I'd look at him like, what are you talking about? Oh, you know, with the medical board coming after you. I said, look, you, you guys don't understand. You know, I'm not the victim here. They're going to be the victim. Yes. And the, that's you choose to see it. I mean, even though at that time, everybody else would have thought that I'd lost my mind. You know, what kind of absurd thing am I talking about? How can I be yeah. the victim? The board's coming after me. But you know what? That was my reality. And right. that's why we eventually won. My point is that you choose how you think. You choose whether you're happy or sad. You choose whether you're going to make those Difficult steps that may be difficult in the beginning, but they will become easy the more consistent you are with it. The more, you know, a simple, simple little action every day may not seem like it's going to count too much, but you know what? Start saving a nickel every day and see what happens. Exactly. And then, yes, as time progresses, you see what happens. Listen, we got to take a break. We're almost out of time here. We got a short segment to uh, wrap up today's show with Dr. Rashid Batar. We'll tell you all the links as well to get the book. And a little bit more on the steps you can take to gain that power that you really never lost. You only thought you lost it after this.
Rock in the Health World through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. If you like that story about Dan that uh, Dr. Batar just told you about, it's in his book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, in the chapter on exercise, page 129, chapter 4. goes into detail. A lot of things like that that are so valuable, Dr. Batar. These experiences that we have in life, how stories teach us far better than just dictates in that way. And that's another reason why the book is so wonderful. Well, thank you, Robert. It's, uh, it has exceeded our expectations. That particular chapter, the principle of exercise that I talk about, Dan, there's a quote that I just stopped and look it up when you just mentioned it. I had a copy of the book sitting right here. And, uh, there's a quote from Plato in there that I had start that chapter off with. And I think it's uh, appropriate to mention it here uh, regarding exercise. Lack of activity destroys the good condition of every human being while movement and methodical physical exercise save it and preserve it. Mm, Plato. Movement. Movement is life. And yes, even if it's just the movement of a finger for somebody who has been paralyzed or someone that has uh, had levels of fitness and lost it and tried hard to regain it due to injury as such, these are inspiring stories, but uh, it puts perspective. I, I remember when I started training for boxing, I couldn't even jump rope, Dr. Batar. I, I was so uncoordinated. I must have looked like the, the goofiest of the goofiest goobers on the planet. And now I can, you know, jump rope three minutes, okay, take a 30-second break, three minutes again. It's like doing tricks and stuff. And it's like I couldn't do that for a while, but it was like that one, like I'd throw the rope around and I'd jump, okay? And I'd throw the rope around and I'd jump. It's like, what is that? That was just horrible and ugly. But the point was I continued to struggle through that to to learn something new at a point in my life where it's like I'd never done anything like this. And And the the most important part right there, Robert, the most important part of that story right there is that you were able to do one skip. Yep. And that's all you that's need. where I started. Start. Yeah, that is indeed where I started. And, and, and sort of like people, there are a lot of people inspired by what we're doing here with the show. And they say, gosh, I wish we could do that too. I want to do that. It's like, well, look at how many years we've been at this, you know, in broadcasting 12 years now. And, you know, suddenly I never heard of you. It's like, oh, boom, where'd you come from? It's like an overnight sensation, toiling in obscurity for years. But the point is, all that time, you never see the people working hard like even Dan. You just see them when they're fitting their back, right? And, right. and so that's the kind of the backstory that what grandma and grandpa used to say about working hard every day and, and being dedicated, being principled, don't stray from your principles, that it indeed pays off. And not because you're lucky, but because that's the law. Well, I'll tell you, too, and it's not even about working harder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's about working consistently because I have yes. learned this, that I sometimes have to exert so much more effort and work so much harder to try to accomplish something that when I was just doing it on a consistent basis, it was effortless. Yes. It's the demon inside ourselves that we have to fight to make mm-hmm. sure that we remain consistent. Yes. But it, the consistency aspect makes – and that's one reason that, that that phrase, once difficult, now easy, is because as long as you do it consistently and it just the minuscule component of it is enough to get started – you will find that it becomes really, really easy. And something that you found really, really easy because you were doing it consistently for years and you stopped doing it suddenly becomes difficult. (laughs) Yes. And although there's a memory that can get you back to it much quicker than starting from scratch, the other aspect of another term we've heard, working smarter, not harder, comes from this experience and that we can learn from others. Sometimes we don't want to learn from others and we'll, you know, work the hard way. And that's okay. That's what uh, the freedom we have to choose on these things. And that choice gives us that experience we obviously need at that point. And that's been my saving grace, Robert, that lucky for me, I did do it the right way. So it comes back faster. But still, you know, we're all humans. You've made that mistake. I've made that mistake. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure many of the audience members are experiencing that or have made that mistake. The thing to remember is it's never 
too late to restart. Exactly. And if you've never done it, it's never too late to start. Hmm. Well, and that's a great way to wrap up today's show with Dr. Bittar. And uh, we're uh, spreading out some vitamin L all over the world. Those are listening from around the world. We're glad to have you with us here on the Robert Scott Bell Show every Monday, Advanced Medicine with Dr. Rasha Bittar. Remember the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Dr. Bittar, you're only here with me once a week. It's not enough, but we do whatever we can. And you have ways that people can learn more about you. I always encourage people to get your books. And there's lots of videos and things. But let everybody know where they can learn more. Well, there, there are a number of different sites that are uh, available to people for resources, but we've got them all uh, in one location so you, people can pick and choose whatever information they need, and that would be at medicalrewind.com. we got to do a lot more healing every day. There's not enough time, even though we're doing it every day. And Dr. Batar, I'm grateful that you're with me every week. Robert, I'm grateful to be on the radio with you every week. Just here to remind you that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.